Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast episode 71. My name is Ronnie, and I'm joined here with my three Soccer Subs co-hosts, Eric, Voss, and Hugh. Before we get started, let me just give a quick shout out to our two Soccer Sub sponsors, Paragon Sports, your premier destination for activewear. Go check them out here in Manhattan, 18th and Broadway. Go give them a follow on Paragon Sports on Instagram. Go check them out for all your running needs, basketball, soccer, baseball equipment. And our second show sponsor, Thackeria 86. They're located on 94th and Broadway here in Manhattan. Go check them out for some amazing tacos, burritos, drinks, tequila, all the good stuff. Go give them a follow on Instagram at Thackeria86NY. And now that that's out the way, fellas, good to be on with you guys. Episode 71, we're already halfway through August. MLS is heating up. Just a few more games to go. How are you guys doing? Oh, man. Episode 71. Who knew we would get out the 60s or the 50s? It's a pleasure to be on again with you guys. Thank you to all the listeners who may be tuning in. And can't wait to speak about a very up and down sort of MLS weekend. Episode 71, guys. I can't believe it. We're already on 71. The return of Serie A this week, the return of La Liga. We have amazing European games coming in. It's just been an amazing week of football, amazing week of MLS, and I can't wait till we get into it this episode. It's been a long soccer summer, and it's been a hot soccer summer, and it's it's heating up in the MLS right now, and it is hot as hell in New York. So I'm excited to break down some soccer, break down the MLS, and, and get to talk in this episode. Oh, that's right here. Well, for the MLS fans, we got a big show coming up for you guys today. As usual, episode 71, we got a big guest coming up in just a little bit. He's a Cameroonian soccer pro who plays for defender for Nashville SC. He wears number 27 in the back line. Man, we're really excited to have on Brian Anunga. He's coming up in just a few minutes. Really excited to talk to Brian on just his career, MLS, growing up in Cameroon. He's got an amazing story. So Brian Anunga is coming up in just a few minutes. And man, since we last recorded this past week, so much to get into. Just some MLS news. San Jose making it official, announcing their new head coach, Luchi Gonzalez. That is official. Matt Miazga making his official debut for FC Cincinnati. That was an amazing pickup. I know we talked a little bit about that this past episode. The New York Red Bulls beating Atlanta United on the road at Mercedes-Benz 2-1. What a game. That was a heck of a game. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. My very own NYCFC losing to Charlotte at Red Bull Arena 3-1. We'll talk about that as well. Very disappointing result for NYCFC who are a little bit out of form. They haven't had a win in, in four games. They're going through a bit of a, of a down stretch. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. FC Dallas beating Philadelphia Union 1-0 with Philadelphia Union. Jim Curran with a, with a rare loss. It happens as well. We also had Toronto versus New England. Bob Bradley versus Bruce Arena 2-2. Two two. That was a heck of a game as well. And LAFC beating DC United 1-0 with no Gareth Bale and without Giorgio Chiellini. LAFC, to be honest, might not lose a game for the rest of the season, but we'll talk about LAFC in just a few minutes as well. Just a crazy week of action. We're down to the last eight, nine games of the MLS season. MLS season's wrapping up very shortly. Vas, let me throw it to you, man. How you feeling on your New York Red Bulls? You guys picked up a huge win on the road. I guess a tough team at, like Atlanta United. How you feeling on that game? And just how's, how you feeling on your Red Bulls? Nothing like three points to make you forget the last three home defeats, right? 
It's that win on the road that always makes it feel good. But I'm not going to say I wasn't surprised that we beat Atlanta. Red Bulls have had tons of success whenever they play Atlanta United, even if it's at their home in that cathedral that they want to call Mercedes-Benz Arena. And what a showing. I've been saying it all season long. The Red Bulls are at their most dangerous when they have the least amount of the ball. I think the 27% possession would just further that sentiment. And what two incredible goals from Lewis Morgan and John Tolkien. John Tolkien, it was a bit of luck. We had VAR involved, but anytime you have Ted Uncle officiating a Red Bulls game, you're going to have a VAR instance, right? But great play by Daniel Edelman. He looked like a young Tyler Adams in that number six role. He helped shuttle a lot of the attacks and nullify a lot of the incoming attacks. So that was great to see. And I wonder how Struber manages his minutes now because he is an exceptional player. He's the captain of the U.S. 20 national team. And with that win, the Red Bulls find themselves fourth in the East, six points clear of Columbus, who are in fifth place, and only two points away from third, where NYCFC currently stands. So this past result could have gone a lot worse. So I'm happy to get three points midweek and set up ourselves pretty nicely against a dangerous Cincinnati side this Saturday. Appreciate it, Voss. And yeah, for my very own New York City Football Club, we had a tough loss at Red Bull Arena, considered a home game. But yeah, we lost to Charlotte 3-1. to one. I got to give a lot of credit to Charlotte, man. They came ready to play. Kalina on goal seemed to be like a brick wall for this past game. And Christian Fuchs, the back line, was playing amazing as well. Voss, I know you mentioned NYCFC seemed to be in control that first half, and things kind of seemed to fall in the second half. I want to just quickly highlight, it seems to be like kind of a repetitive theme these past few games. We lost to Inter- Miami on the road, 3-2, to two, with a late goal by Pozuelo. The week before, we lost against the Columbus Crew, 3-2 to two as well on the road. Similar with Larayang, scoring in the very last minute as well. I know NYCFC are on the road. We always talk MLS. It's a tough league to be on the road. Usually, the home team does have the advantage. But uh, yeah, man, it was a tough game, especially us not being really at home. You know, NYCFC plays really well when they're at Yankee Stadium. But this was a game at Red Bull. The whole interim head coach of Nick Cushing still trying to get accustomed to his team, trying to find the right pieces. He's got some work cut out to him. NYCFC are still in good shape. We're currently sitting third in the East, so we're not we're not in horrible shape. So still a lot of good things to look forward to. We still seem to have a good picture for the playoff. But yeah, man, some work to do for NYCFC. Hugh, man, let me throw to you, man. Good to have you back on with us. It's been some time since we had you on to talk MLS. So much has happened since you last came on with us, man. Gareth Bale, Insigne, Bernadeschi coming on board. Ricky Puig as well from La Liga. I know you're a big La Liga fan. What you've been most excited to see, man? I think my favorite thing about this summer transfer window is it's been the first time where the MLS has splashed a lot of money on European players, but not like the same type of European players that they always spend money on. Like you can argue that Gareth Bale and Chiellini are a little bit of, of that archetype of the, the sort of like aging European stars. But me personally, I think it's it's really interesting to watch how this summer's signings play out or how they've played out when it comes to translating into actual team success. And usually people talk a lot about how in the MLS, you bring over big European stars and sometimes they're great. Like Zlatan was pretty good when he was with the Galaxy and sometimes they're just here to settle down. But I think the interesting thing that a team, especially like LA, AFC has been doing. Obviously, they had a good start to the season before they got their talent from Europe, but they've kept it up. 
since they they bought Chiellini and Bale, it shows you that they're not just like buying players indiscriminately. Like if they wanted big name stars that they could get to the States, they could make a big uh, bid for Ronaldo. They could, you know, like there, there are names out there that you could bring a whole bunch of shirt sale money to LA with, but they bought two players who've actually slotted nicely into the way that they play. I mean, I think Gareth Bale plays a style that's conducive to the way in which LAFC play, right? Like he he works the ball. I mean, even that first game against Nashville that he played, where he did that little like he did a little dummy around, like and, and whenever like everybody saw it, like he's not just playing here to get his money. Like he's playing to play their system, and I think that's been really good for them. And then I'm also really happy to see Philly, a fully fit Philly team. That's what sort of brought them down last year in the playoffs were injuries. Uh, Jim Curtin's a really good coach, isn't he? Like, I, like I, I don't know if there's much more we could say about it. They play hard style and they, they play enjoyable to watch soccer and it's paying off. And Philly, again, is sort of the opposite of the LAFC system where they like a lot of their players are homegrown and a lot of their players are assigned. And a lot of American fans are like, who is this guy? They managed to, to work the talent out of some really talented players. Uh, and I think seeing them be top of the division shows what they deserve and what they've deserved for a while, but kind of have been held back on from injuries. Uh, thanks for that, Hugh. Eric, just a quick question, man. You think LAFC are losing the game for the rest of the season? They're killing it without Chiellini and Bale. They're, they're giving them rest. They're calling it load management. But man, do you feel like <laughs> LAFC could even lose a game for their upcoming game against San Jose? They got Austin, Houston Dynamo, Real Salt Lake. Could you see them losing any games? No, I don't see it happening. I think LAFC are just head and shoulders above the rest of the Western Conference. I think they're a tough team to beat on their day. But look, even if they don't go undefeated for the rest of the season, they're still a top team in the West. And I can honestly see them coming out of the West to the final. That's the thing, though. What version of LAFC are we going to see in the finals? Joke a lot, so it's tough to say. But I can definitely see LAFC going unbeaten for the rest of the season, for sure. Vas, let me throw to you, man. The Red Bulls got FC Cincinnati this upcoming weekend. How are you feeling on your New York Red Bulls against one of your favorite coaches, Pat Noonan? So just to add on to the LAFC front, because if they manage to not lose a single game, they would be breaking the points record that New England set last year, which they're already on the course of doing. If they just drop, I think, like one or two results and just win the rest. But... As for the Red Bulls front, they're coming up against a very good FC Cincinnati side led by the goals of Brandon Vasquez, the creativity of Lucia Costa, and of course, the man masterminding it all, Pat Noonan. I feel like him being at the helm of this Cincinnati squad has truly changed their fortunes, and I think their standing shows that. I, I think they're just outside of a playoff spot, but that doesn't speak on the progress that they've made this year under this new head coach. And you see it with guys like Brandon Vasquez, who at one point looked like he was just surplus to requirements at Atlanta, but seemed to turn the corner working with guys on Panun and staff like Dom Kinnear, who was like focusing in on finishing and doing that individual work that's needed to progress players. And I'm not trying to bash the Red Bulls, but they have to win this game. The playoff picture for them is looking, all right, you're six points from fifth place, but with teams like Toronto heating up who are wanting to get into the playoffs or want to maybe even host a playoff game with the amount of investment that they've done and off the play of Bernadeschi, who I don't think is getting enough praise because of guys like Insigne and, you know, Bale having all the spotlight. But I think if the Red Bulls come out with the mindset of 
we need to win and come out and chase the game, they're going to get played right into the hands of a Noonan tactic. And the same old trick in the game, you let the Red Bulls possess the ball, you hit him with one goal, like Orlando did last week, you know, one shot, one goal, and you just hold on for the result. The Red Bulls seemed allergic to the third half to the, the, the final part of the field, the, the zone 14 that they like to call all the time. And I think Klamala's play has been getting bashed because he hasn't been scoring, but it's hard when you're the best, I think, passer outside of Luquinez and the best connector of passes to also be having to be relied on to finish them. So I'm hoping he breaks that spell and we get a 1-0 result off a of Klamala goal. Appreciate of us. And yeah, for NYCFC, we got the Chicago Fire this kind of weekend. We're on the road again. It's going to be a tough game. I'm calling it probably best case scenario for a draw 1-1, but I could totally see Chicago with the upset. I mean, Chicago currently sits 12th in the East and a team like that's pretty dangerous just because when I feel like when a team, you know, is looking at like out of the playoff picture, that's probably one of the most dangerous teams you can play when a team is pretty much not playing for anything at the moment and just trying to even get to that last spot for the playoffs. They're going to come up swinging and they're going to come out with a grind. So all the best for NYCFC is going to be a tough game. All right, guys. And before we get to our special guest, Brian Anunga, Eric, man, let me throw it to you, man. We can't finish the episode. We're just talking just a little bit of European soccer, man. I think the biggest mess, the biggest drama coming out of European soccer right now is Ronaldo and the whole Man U drama. What have you been hearing from Man U, man? Any Anything you're hearing out of Manchester United possibly letting Ronaldo go and anything they could do to fix this mess, man? I mean, it's it's tough to say. This Manchester United side have been a side that's been struggling for multiple seasons now. And, uh, uh, you know, there's rumors of Casemiro signing for this Manchester United side, although I, I've always been an advocate for to say that they've always needed this center defensive midfielder to play in that team. But I, I simply don't think Casemiro's enough for this team. You know, you have fullbacks who just can't put in a decent cross. You still have Maguire captaining this side who's just been god-awful. You have, uh, you know, wingers who are too inconsistent. And Sancho, as talented as he is, he's very inconsistent. Rashford, just the same way, inconsistent. That midfield, you know, Bruno Fernandes, as talented as he is, he's inconsistent as well. Christian Eriksen, he's been a fantastic, you know, veteran player in the Premier League. But, you know, there are some clear health issues there. You don't know. You don't want to overwork the guy. And I mean, I don't know, like Manchester United seem to be a meme club at this point. Like, you know, you have Elon Musk tweeting that he's going to purchase them. So like, you know, maybe each signing gets a jetpack and then like they start performing well. But honestly, this club, I don't see them going anywhere near UCL. I don't see them finishing top four. You know, it's tough to even see them finishing top six this season, honestly. You know, there are much better sides than Manchester United. And I don't think this changes for Manchester United unless they either get new owners and even that doesn't stop there. I think they need a new board. I think they need to just completely start fresh and brand new because this club has no direction in where it wants to go at the moment. Yeah. I've sort of been an advocate for them keeping Ronaldo around, but I think at this point, like it really doesn't matter what they do up front like up front they're not a terrible team their weakness comes all elsewhere up front you've got Cristiano Ronaldo you still have Edinson Cavani somehow you've got Alanga like you've got you've got players who can score but their issue comes like Eric said from the midfield and from the back line and like the Casemiro rumor for me I think Casemiro could help them out but he would only fix something for a short amount of time because he doesn't have that many years left in his career and he's not going to make a career-changing move now. I mean, he's played for Real Madrid for like like eight, nine years now. Like he's not going anywhere. I think they've also been linked I mean, until very recently with Rabio, who again was going to try and fill that spot. 
I think it's becoming less and less about whether or not they need to sign somebody and whether or not they need to like, like switch out the manager. And I think like, I think it's just, they need to step back and like, look at what are the problem points in the club and first they need to sell and then they need to buy because if they keep buying and trying to like plug up positions that seem to be a problem they're not going to get around with the sort of underlying issue which is that like some of their players just shouldn't be in that system Rafa Varane I think was a good signing now a year ago but he just hasn't fit into the squad well because he's been playing next to Harry Maguire and like hasn't worked well I mean I he's probably not as good as he used to be but like he just hasn't worked well. And so I think they sold Alex Tellez, which I don't know if I completely agree with that. I think they should have sold someone else first, namely Harry Maguire. But they need to sell. And once they sell, then they look forward, then they buy. And if they can buy good players, fine. I'm sure they can. They have a good scouting network. But those good players aren't going to be able to play well if they don't get rid of the stuff that's dragging them down right now. And I think that's what I need to do first. All right, guys. Well, I want to say thank you guys so much for all your insight. Let's get to our special guest, Brian Anunga. He wears number 27 in the back line for Nashville SC, a legitimate contender in the West. Brian Anunga is coming up next. Let's go. All right, MLS fans. We got a special guest joining the show today. He's a Cameroonian professional soccer player who's played for clubs such as the Wilmington Riverheads, Carolina Dynamo, and the Charleston Battery. He currently plays for the MLS side, Nashville SC, and wears number 27 in the midfield. Oh, man, we're super excited to have him on with us. We're giving a warm welcome to Mr. Brian Anunga. Thank you. Hey, welcome, Brian. Definitely want to say a huge welcome and and thank you from New York City. And, you know, first things first from myself and one of my colleagues who couldn't make it, but how are you? How's 2022 been treating you so far? How are you feeling? Hey, Ron, I feel good. I feel good. You know, um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, Also, like, yeah, the season has been going well so far. It's not been an easy schedule for us because we started the year with uh, eight away games and trying to, like, have our stadium ready. Um, Now we have our stadium ready, which is exciting. And so, like, we're all really excited for, like, the opportunity that is given to us to play in that brand new stadium, which is amazing. So, so far, the year has been amazing. So, I mean, we've been making history, so that's good. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Geodis Park is looking amazing, a beauty, just watching it on TV. And yeah, man, hope you're staying healthy and, and yeah, wishing you all the best this season. You know, Brian, one of our first questions we had, we wanted to take it all the way back to the beginnings. We saw you were born and raised in Cameroon. If I'm saying it right, Yaoundé, uh, Cameroon. And what was it like being raised there? How did you pick up the game and at what age did you realize that you could be a good player? I mean, like like you said, um, like it's similar to Ecuador. I think soccer for us is life. I mean, if, if everybody that dreams of playing soccer, we call it football, but you know, not in America, I call it soccer. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's life. It's everyone is looking up to like the best players and dreaming and trying to become that that star player one day. Obviously, like I started playing more when I was like I think ten years old. I mean, for me, it was just like fun. It was just like going out with our friends, never had the opportunity to have like different toys or anything. So like for us, it was always like a soccer balls. We'll bring all the kids together and we'll play and we'll have fun. We'll enjoy the time. And that's all we really loved pretty much. And so like 
and getting into the ages of like 12, 14. And then I started realizing like, I really love soccer and I, that's what I really want to do. And so like, I would always like sneak out of school to go play because like, we don't have like the system, like like uh, maybe here in America where you can play soccer and go to school. It's tough for us. It's like, it's either you're in school or <laughs> or you're, in, you're playing soccer. So you have to pick one at a certain age. And so like at a certain age, you're like 16, 17, I had to pretty much pick soccer because like going into like national team camp under 17 you will miss school for like a month two months so you pretty much had to make a decision like playing first division at a really young age too when i was like 18 so like traveling with school all of that wasn't wasn't that easy so like so pretty much took the path of soccer and it paid off Oh, that's awesome, Brian. Yeah, man, I love seeing the pictures of, you know, how young kids play the game out there. And, yeah. and hey, Brian, I mean, you know, we saw you were playing for a team called Rainbow Bamenda over there in Cameroon. And then you came over to the U.S. and you came over to the Wilmington Riverheads. We couldn't look up too much about how, how that materialized. Like, how did that opportunity come for you to come to the U.S.? Just tell us what that experience was like, just coming here to a new country, maybe leaving yeah. your family and friends behind. I mean, like, yeah, playing back home in Cameroon, like, obviously, Rainbow was like, it's a team. What they do pretty much is they try to, like, scout the best players pretty much in Cameroon and, like, bring them together. And, like, you have, like, all these scouts that will come from America, Europe, and everyone to, like, scout the players. And so, like, that's how I got an opportunity. It's like I went to, like, they came for to scout the players. And out of, like, maybe 200 and something players that day that were invited to the training camp, like, I was with three of us that got were lucky enough to to get scouted to come to the U.S. And I mean, coming to the U.S. was was a, like it's a, it was a big step because like leaving my family back home and like moving at, at such a young age, you know, having to adapt to a new country, new language, new food, new everything. I mean, I, I mean, America is like like a shocking culture to me. It's just less like yeah, everything is different. So we had to adapt. And obviously, like, that's all I've done in my life is to adapt to, like, you know, move on, especially, like, us, we look at it as an opportunity to help, like, our family back home. So, like, yeah, you have to do everything to make it work. Yeah, that's awesome, Brian. We actually, you know, we looked up somebody from the New York Red Bulls. His name was Anatoly Abanga. I'm not sure if you coincided with him, but yeah. he's somebody that I was like, wow, we think you and him might have played together and kind of shared a similar path. So that's really cool. Yeah, we played together. He was actually one of those in that camp, like with three of us. Anatolaban was one of them when we all came to the U.S. at the same time. He went to Red Bull. I went to Wilmington Hammerhead. And so, yeah, yeah. And hey, Brian, you know, we're kind of keeping it a little bit in chronological order. After that, we saw that you went to the Charleston Battery. You were there for right about two years under a great coach, Coach Mike Anhauser. I wanted to ask you what that experience was like coming to the USL. I would ask you, were those probably like two of your most important years? Because I feel like that probably set you up for MLS. Yeah, I mean, like, again, like, so grateful for, like, Coach Mike and Hauser. Like, he played a really big part in my career here in the U.S. and, like, giving me that opportunity and taking me with the battery. I mean, he's a coach that, like, guided me and showed me the pathway and, like, helped me all along in improving and what I need to improve on. So, like, playing under him was was amazing. And, like, I, I mean, I, I would say, like, I owe him a lot to, like, where I've reached so far because, like, yeah, he helped me along the way a lot. As a second part of that, we've asked other players this, but do you see a big gap between MLS and USL now that you're in MLS? But do you see a big gap in regards to physicality, speed? Is there a big gap to cross between the two leagues? I don't, I honestly don't think the gap is that big there is a gap there is a gap why because like what first thing that hit me when i got to the mls is like 
the guys are smarter, they're faster, they move quicker, they're stronger. Like, I just think the USL is getting there, played there. I mean, competitiveness, like, the guys go in is pretty much a little bit similar, but in this, the MLS just has the quality, obviously. It's just the quality is that's the gap, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We've heard the IQ, yeah. speed. We've heard it from other players that it's definitely up one level. We've heard also that you could put, you could take a USL player and put him in MLS training and they'll do just fine. So it's a little bit of both. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian. Now we're getting a little bit into Nashville. I mean, Nashville, an amazing team, obviously now in the, on the Western standings. I wanted to ask you what it's like playing under coach Gary Smith and, you know, Nashville an amazing team last year. I don't believe they had a single loss at home. What's been his message to the players and to the staff so far this season? I mean, like, playing for Gary is obviously like if anyone knows him, you know, you, you will know he's a tough coach. Uh, he's a guy that demands a lot from the players. He, depend, he demands 100% every time. Yeah, I mean, his message is always firm and we always understand what he wants. He wants the players to give everything offensively and defensively. And um, he would not take anything less than that. So that's what has been the core of the group, you know, like the mentality. And we're always able to recover from like bad games or, you know, like we're always able to recover from that just because like we're, we're genuine people, like all the locker room is full of genuine guys and guys are going to put in the work. And sometimes um, the work rate is what always overcomes. Like in every game, we always like kind of like get over the opponent just because of the work rate and then the quality comes in. So, yeah. That's awesome, Brian. Oh, great stuff there. And I wanted to bring up something that maybe a lot, some of the fans may not know, but last year, we believe you got an extension to stay in Nashville. So that's, you know, congrats on that, staying in the Music City. But uh, I wanted to ask you, could you see yourself settling down in Nashville? You know, what are some of your ambitions down the road? Would you love to go to Europe down the road in your future? And also, is, is being called up to the Cameroon national team a goal of yours, too? Yeah, I mean, Called up to the Cameroon national team is a, a goal of mine and it's a dream of mine and, and it's something that will make uh, my family proud. And obviously, you know, I just have to wait for the time. You know, it's like we always have a, a lot of transitioning coaches. And so, like, you know, we just have to keep working and wait for that time. And getting back to your question about Nashville, it's an amazing place. You should definitely come visit. It's like really nice. And yeah, I mean, I see myself staying in Nashville as long as like I'm happy here. For, for, I'm really happy here and, and nothing to complain about. Yeah, the people are great. You know, the fans, you know, the fans love the players and, and you know. And so, like, yeah, I mean, if something comes knocking on, on the door in the future, I mean, I'm always open to like, you know, something better for me. Yeah, obviously. But, you know, but right now I'm really happy with Nashville. I'm grateful for the opportunity that's so Oh, that's awesome, Brian. Oh, thank you for that. And Brian, you know, of course, we had to do a little bit of research. We were looking at your Twitter. We saw like a previous interview that you did uh, where you scored your first goal for Nashville against the Chicago Fire. And, and you said an interesting, funny story that uh, working with the physio who was giving you a massage after workout. And I believe you promised him that, that you score a goal. And you did. So I had to ask you, you know, was that one of your most favorite moments? Uh, I believe he forced physio might have given another player good luck. But what was the story behind that? Because that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was funny. It's always like, you know, sometimes all of our physios get busy, especially like the day before the game where everyone wants a massage. Everyone wants like little treatment to feel good before the game. And so I, I was like, hey, you, you got to work with me. Like, because if you work with me, like I'm probably going to score tomorrow. <laughs> and then like, so it was just like talking and just having fun. And then like it happened. And so like right away when I scored it, I, it came across my mind. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to celebrate with him. So, yeah. 
And Brian, one other thing we saw, we, we read an article where you talked a little bit about work ethic. And we know you bust your butt on and off the field and trainings and everything like that. Quote kind of stood out to us, man. I want to kind of just repeat it for the MLS fans. You know, you don't want to be somewhere where you don't wake up and you think you're going to play the next game. You want to be in an environment that makes you want to work harder. And, you know, we know you're a little bit in competition with some of the other midfielders out there, Dax McCarty and some others. But I wanted to ask you, you know, do you feel like that's something that you really kind of put into work out there and training, like just taking it to the next level and just always working, working hard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's one thing I love. I mean, all my life, it's never been easy to me. Nothing has ever been given to me, like, easily. It's always, like, I had to fight and I had to push through it. And so, like, naturally, if you look at our midfield, we have that. We have Anibal Godot. We have Sean Davis, like, all experienced guys, like, over... 300 appearances and you have then this USL guy you know that is coming from the USL and it's just like fighting in there and I, I love it because like obviously first I, I look at it as a as I'm lucky because I get to learn I get to learn because like playing with Dax he will tell me hey do this do that do that I'm learning and you play with Goddard he sees things different he says do this do that do that and you play with Sean he sees things different he says do this do that and so like for me I'm learning I'm learning like Hopefully, maybe one day I'll be able to also tell the young kids, hey, do this, do that, because I learned from these guys when they will not be around anymore, maybe. So, like, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm lucky, and I, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity playing with them. And obviously, yeah, like, you wake up every day, you know, you have to give 150 at practice because, yeah, they're good players. Yeah, we've always heard, you know, from other interviews, if you don't put in the work, there's five, ten guys looking to take yeah. your spot, so... I totally get you there, Brian. Absolutely. And yeah, Dax McCarty, we look up to him so much. I mean, an amazing player, amazing captain out there. He's got so much class. So, And Brian, I wanted to ask you, I mean, hey, man, you know, we do have the World Cup later this year. And I was looking up the group, man. You know, we got you guys got Brazil. You guys got Serbia. You guys got Switzerland. How are you feeling on the Cameroon national team? And you guys feel you guys can make a good run for for this 2022 World Cup? I mean... The World Cup is the biggest stage. Obviously, it's 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 no land for any jokes out there. It's like everyone means business. And so, like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I know the boys. I know a lot of them. And they're warriors. So I think we're going to give everything no matter what happens. And I'll always be proud of the team. You know, <laughs> yeah. But I think we might make a run. You never know. You never know with soccer. You never know. Like, that's the thing. You never know. If, if, if it's the right day, if the team is yeah. feeling hot, that's all it takes. Yeah, you can beat anybody. And hey, Brian, before we let you go, we wanted to just take two quick fan questions just that just came from, from our Instagram. Obviously, you know, we introduced you, MLS midfielder for Nashville, number 27 and everything. But I wanted to ask you, what's Brian Anunga outside of soccer? You know, what do you like to do on your off time? How do you like to disconnect? What do you like to do outside of soccer when you're off? I mean, when I'm off, like, pretty much I like to, like, watch. I mean, just like everybody, I'm, I'm pretty, I like to nap a lot. I'm, I'm always sleeping because I'm obviously tired from training. Um, and then watch Netflix, watch movies. But also I, I tend to, like, get read, talk to my family because they're all, they're all back home. So talk to my family a lot on the phone and then like make sure they're okay. You know, I like to do outdoor stuff and just relax. Just like, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and, and Brian, just taking another fan question. You know, when it comes to game day, obviously everyone has their routine. I wanted to ask you as well, you know, when it comes to uh, game day, how do you prepare? What does your meal look like? 
What does your rest look like? What's like a normal game day like for you when it comes to a game day? So my, I prepare for game day pretty much the day before. So like the day before I eat, like that's when I eat a lot of my carbs. And then the day of the game, I'm just like laying in bed and then I go out for a walk. And I mean, I, I don't really, breakfast is very light for me. Not a big breakfast guy. I mean, even though our nutritionist doesn't agree with me, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I sometimes I play, I play the game without eating the whole day. Like I don't, sometimes I don't eat anything to like after the game, I'll have like two bananas at like three and then play the game and then eat after. I feel good that way. But like, obviously you have the downside to that. Some people don't like it. Some people like it. But like for me, my game day routine is just preparing and like, I just have like stuff in my head that I did wrong last game and that I'm like, it's ringing in my head like, hey, you need to do this better. You need to do that better. Like this didn't work because you didn't do that or you didn't do that. So I'm like constantly like rethinking those things and what I can do better pretty much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and hey, Brian, one of our last questions we had for you, you know, obviously the, the MLS, soccer, football, whatever we call it here, growing so much here in the United States. And, you know, recently we went out to Charlotte for their first ever inaugural game against LA Galaxy. But I wanted to ask you, you know, has there been a fan base? Has there been a city that surprised you as to like, wow, this, this city is, is insane with so much fans and passion? Like we know LA, Seattle. I mean, Charlotte over here, New York is huge right now. Florida, have you visited a city where you're like, wow, I did not know this city was like a huge soccer city? Uh, I would say Columbus. Yeah. I mean, always thinking of that, like, I didn't know it was like the new stadium and the atmosphere. I mean, they make it loud in there as well. So, yeah, like, I wasn't expecting it to be that loud. Yeah, but yeah, Columbus for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, Brian. Hey, Brian, we want to say thank you so much, man. We're going to be keeping an eye on you throughout the season. Uh, man, we're going to be rooting for you all the way from New York City. You know, we hope you get some minutes of season. And, and yeah, we're looking out for you, man, and, and all the best. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, guys, that was the interview with Brian Anunga. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Brian, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little bit about your career. MLS at Nashville, wishing you nothing but the best. And all right, Voss, let's start getting out of here, man. Anything you want to say? Appreciate you coming on for episode 71, man. Of course. Thank you to all the listeners again. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview with Brian Anunga. Class act, top lad. And just to keep an eye on the Eastern Conference results this weekend, because from fifth place to 12th place is separated only by four points. So it should be a topsy-turvy sort of a weekend of results, depending on who wins and who draws. And yeah, thank you again, guys. Always a pleasure to be on with the three soccer subs, guys. Hugh, awesome to have you back. Eric, always throwing us the knowledge in the European side. And thank you again, Ronnie, for, for having us. Oh, thank you all for listening again. Honestly, episode 71, it's unbelievable that we got into this point. You know, we continue to grow and, you know, we appreciate you as fans for listening and tune in for episode 72, not too far away from now. Just make sure that if you're listening and for some reason you don't follow us on social media, make sure you do that Soccer Sums podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere else. We post updates there, so make sure you follow. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it, Hugh. And for the soccer fans, episode 71 is a wrap. We'll be back next week for episode 72. One thing we didn't mention, we're keeping an eye on those on those World Cup kits, by the way. Those are dropping hopefully this week and next week. So thank you guys so much for an amazing episode. We'll see you guys next week. Everyone take care and have a good one.